God has placed us here on purpose. We're here on purpose. And as we begin to meet and pray about our church and what God would establish in this place, we came to a conclusion very rapidly that basically we have a clear mandate from God that can be wrapped up in three simple words. The first word is encounter. The second word is equip. And the third word is engage. And let me just tell you from the very beginning, so we're all on the same page, these are the three things that we are totally, completely passionate about and totally and completely committed to. Nothing else, nothing more. We will do these three things to the very best of our ability. So uh, over the next few weeks and months, what I want to do is I want to take each one of these steps uh, in, in this process that we call the passion process because we believe that if you move through these three steps, if you have an encounter with God, if you have uh, become equipped and then you begin to engage your culture, that at that moment you, became, you become a mature disciple in Christ and you begin to do everything that he wants you to do. So over the next few months, I want to deal with these, this process. And so we're going to start at the beginning because that's always a good place to start. And that first step in the process is encounter, which is signified or illustrated by this idea of having your hands up. And so we want to talk about that. And so this morning, I want to start a sermon or a message series called Close Encounters. Close Encounters. Now, I also have, like Dr. Stone said, I was his student, and I, I was taught very early on when you start ministering, preaching, that you're never supposed to preach and make challenges or ask questions that you don't come behind and give the answers to. I understand that. But if you'll bear with me this morning, I'm just going to present a challenge to you. I'm going to try to challenge you in your spirit and then kind of whet your appetite and say this. If you want to figure out how to accomplish what we're going to talk about this morning, you've got to come back the next three weeks. Because then we will talk about the steps and the mode of operation to get what we talk about this morning. So I want to talk to you about close encounters. And let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word. We are committed to your word. We are hungry for your word. So, Father, I pray this morning that as we hear your word, we would apply it to our heart. Challenge us this morning to hear you, to respond to you. We'll give you glory in Jesus' name. It was released in 1977. Now, some of you weren't even born. How many? Okay, I'm going to make some folks feel really old right now. How many of you were not born in 1977? Raise your hands. Wow, look at that. How many of you feel old now? I feel old now. I, I barely remember this movie when it was released. It was released in 1977. Uh, it took the movie world by storm. It, even today, it, it, it instantly became a classic, and even today, it's still considered probably one of the premier science fiction movies ever produced. Steven Spielberg put it out, and, and it took all the awards. It, it was nominated for 29 different awards, and it won 10 of them, including an Oscar. It was a profound movie. Steven Spiel, Spielberg put this movie out, and this was the tagline. This, this tagline has gripped me. It, it was this. He said, on the movie posters, it would say this, and as they advertised it, close encounter of the first kind is sighting of a UFO. Close encounter of the second kind is physical evidence. Close encounter of the third kind is contact. And then it said, we are not alone. 
Now, up until just about last week, I'd never even watched this movie. I'm not much of a science fiction fan, but I went and searched it. I had to search all over Oklahoma City, and I went and found a copy of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, popped it in, and I didn't figure out what all the hubbub was about. It wasn't that great as far as I was concerned. But I wouldn't have given it an Oscar, but I will say this. I don't know what it is about that movie, but the title has gripped me for years. I can remember even as a young, uh, young teenager thinking about that title because in essence he captured in my spirit what my longing and my desire with God is. See, you've got to understand something. I've had close encounters of the first kind. I've had sightings of God. I can remember as a young boy going to church. I've been in church all my life, and I can remember going to a, a church, something like this, and we would worship God, and I would see him. I could see him. I could sense him. I've had close encounters of the second kind, physical evidence. I've had God break right into the middle of my life and have pr- produce physical evidence that he cares about me, that he loves me. I can still remember walking home one day in, in uh, junior high back then, we weren't scared to let our kids walk home. And so I walked home, and I was walking across the street. I had a lunchbox. I can't remember what kind, but it was probably something like Spider-Man or Scooby-Doo. I don't know. had a metal lunchbox, and I stepped out into the middle of the street to cross, and a car turned quickly and ran into me. But my lunchbox was between me and the car and probably saved my life. You know what? I've had close encounters of the second kind. But you know what my heart's desire for you and for me in this church is? close encounters of the third kind, where we have daily contact, daily interaction, daily relationship, daily intimacy with God, where we know He's with us, that we're not alone. Close encounters of the third kind. See, I've come to this conclusion. As when you begin to talk about church and when you begin to talk about God, in a lot of instances, in a lot of occasions, you have, close enc- or you have encounters. You don't have close encounters. You have encounters with with slick programs and slick men and slick uh, presentations. You come into church and you begin to talk about God and you you come into... to an encounter of professional lights and professional sounds and professional promotions. We have all these encounters, but I'm not sure that we have close encounters. Let me just say this and try to explain to you this to you. You need to understand there is a huge difference between an encounter and a close encounter. Let me illustrate that for you. If you're riding down the road and you're going about 20 miles an hour over the speed limit and a police officer is coming the opposite direction and when you get close to him and you can see his face in the windshield and he flips on his lights and he wags his finger at you to get you to slow down and then he just keeps on going and you look in your rearview mirror and you know what you do. You begin to pray, oh God, please, please. And you see him keep on going but you slow down. That was an encounter. But if you're going down the road and you're going about 25 miles an hour over the speed limit and he hadn't filled his quota yet and he's coming the opposite direction and you blow by him and you look in your rearview mirror and he's flipped on his lights and he's thrown his car violently into U-turn and he's coming after you and he pulls you over, how many of you know there's a difference between an encounter and a close encounter because the close encounter is going to cost you three or $400 more than the encounter did, Right? How many of you have ever been in a restaurant when a famous person walked in? I remember Dr. Beecham and I were in Florida at Daytona Beach e- e- eating when Paul Newman walked in. We ate dinner with Paul Newman. Well, not exactly. He was about five or six tables away. I, I was in the Utah airport minding my own business when this really tall guy walked in. I looked up and Rashid Wallace, some of you don't know who he is, some of you understand, walked by me, was on his cell phone. I had an encounter with Rashid Wallace. I was on a plane about two months ago, and three rows in front of me, Adrian Peterson was sitting there. But how many of you know there's a difference between an encounter and a close encounter? Because if we'd have been eating dinner there, and Paul Newman had said, Hey, Steve, come over here. 
I need to talk to you about how to do movies. Come on, I need your expertise. Come sit down with me and let's have a, a time to get. That's a close encounter. That's different. If I'd have been walking through the airport and Rasheed Wallace would have looked down on me and said, you know, I can tell. You can play some ball. You've got skills. You've got game. I need a little help on my dunk. I, I just not getting the elevation. I, can you please assist? We would have had a close encounter. How many of you know if Adrian Peterson had looked at me and said, you know what, hang on a second, Steve. I need to ask his neighbor, would you please move? Steve needs to sit. I, I've been working on this one move, and I can't quite get it. Steve's got it down. I just need to talk to him. He's got such running expertise, and we'd have shared an exchange about running and spent about an hour on a plane together. How many of you know that's a close encounter? Close encounters are different than encounters. I would submit to you that most of us as church folks have become accustomed to encountering God. We, we've seen Him at a distance. We hold Him at a distance. We experience Him at a distance. We see Him vaguely. And we have settled for a, oh yeah, listen, we are, we are religious about church. We're here every time the doors open. We're faithfully, we, we faithfully attend. We come every time. We never miss. We have the sticker on our car to prove it. We know all the secret handshakes. We know all the stuff that you got to know to be a part so that we can respond correctly when somebody says, did you go to church Sunday? We can say, absolutely. But I'm convinced that most of us settle for an encounter with God rather than pressing all the way into a close now, before you get condemned, let me just explain to you that that is not new. It happened in the Bible, too. I can prove it to you. In the Old Testament, you can go read about King Saul. How many of you know that Saul was anointed? There was only one problem. He didn't have a close encounter with God. For 20 years, he never had the presence of God in his house or in his heart. And you know what? He was okay with that. As long as he could continue to be anointed, as long as he still had gold in the bank, as long as people would still bow down to him and submit to his authority and power, as long as he still slept between the satin sheets of the palace, he was okay with no presence because he was satisfied with an encounter. And God wants us to have a close you can go into David's story and you find out that David had a daily interaction with God. It was a close encounter with God. He knew God inside and out. God knew him. In fact, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. Only one problem, his right-hand man, his best friend, Joab, never had anything more than an encounter. Same environment, same God. He watched David encounter God. He watched David worship, and he never had a close encounter. It happened in the New Testament. In Jesus' own inner circle, disciples, 12 men, Eleven had a close encounter with God, committed everything to Him, gave their willing to die for Him, and they did. But one only had an encounter. Yeah, he met Jesus. He spent time with Jesus, heard the same messages, saw the same miracles, had the same day-in, day-out interaction with Him, but he never moved beyond encounter. He, he settled for just an encounter with Him, Judas. But perhaps the most profound example is found in the New Testament when Jesus deals with the ten lepers. The Bible says that ten lepers had, an, had this experience where they're walking down the street and Jesus is walking the other direction and, the, and Jesus sees them and they see him and they begin to cry, heal us, heal us, heal us. And you know what? God always responds when we cry out. And he did. Jesus stepped in and ten destinies are changed. Ten lives are completely marked by his presence. Ten, ten futures are changed completely. But only one had a close encounter. Nine settled for an encounter. Basically, let me tell you what they did. Nine settled for what basically is spiritual porno pornography. It's cheap thrills with no relationship or intimacy. 
And that's where most of us fall. We, we come into God's house and we have an encounter. We, we even may experience exhilarating times of worship and we may even have an emotional outpouring. But the truth is we never really have a close encounter with him where he contacts our life and changes us. It's cheap thrills. We get our praise on. We get our dance on. We get to exhibit our gifts. We get to do all the things that we like to do and we feel real good. And we go home and say, man, we had church today, but did we really have a... Let me ask you, when was the last time you really had a close encounter with God? I didn't say when was the last time you were impressed with the church. I didn't ask you when the last time was you were impressed with the logo. I didn't say when was the last time that you had an encounter with God. I said, when was the last time you had a close encounter with God where everything in your life was changed? See, here is the challenge that lies before us. As a body and as individuals, we get to make up our minds whether we will settle for an encounter or whether we will push all the way through to a close encounter. And we're going to talk over the next three weeks about how you get there. But, but the first step is this. You've got to come to grips with whether you're willing to press in or are you satisfied with the little taste here or there. I've come to this conclusion. We have a decision to make this morning. Here's the challenge. As I've searched Scripture, I've discovered that there are basically two kinds of churches we can be. The first one is in Ezekiel 44 church, verses 11 through 14. They're going to put those on the screen for you. And I want to read this, this portion of Scripture. We can be a church like this. It says this, Yet they shall be ministers in my sanctuary, having oversight at the gates of the house and ministering in the house. They shall slay the burnt offering and sacrifice for the people, and they shall stand before them to minister unto them. Because they ministered unto them before their idols and became a stumbling block of iniquity unto the house of Israel. Therefore I have I lifted up my hand against them, saith the Lord Jehovah, and they shall bear their iniquity. And they shall not come near unto me to execute the office of the priest unto me, nor to come near to any of my holy things, unto the things that are most holy. But they shall bear their shame and their abominations which they have committed. Yet I will make them keepers of the charge of the house for all the services thereof and for all that shall be done therein. I like what the Message Bible says in verse 13 and 14. It says this, They're fired from the priesthood. No longer will they come into my presence and take care of my holy things. No more access to the holy place. They'll have to live with what they've done, carry the shame of their vile and obscene lives. From now on, listen to this, their job is to sweep up and run errands. That's it. And I submit to you this morning that if we're not careful, we can come and have church and we can do all the things that we do that we know our church. We can come and dance and shout and get all the stuff that we normally do. And if we're not careful, we can become an Ezekiel 44 church. God will give us charge of this house. He will let us do the things of church, slay the offering, worship, praise, have the programs, dance and shout all you want to. And you can walk right out of there and never impact anybody and never have access to God. We can be in Ezekiel 44 church and have uh, the things of God and never have God. I don't want that to happen. In fact, I, I've come to the conclusion that what I want to be is I want to be a Second Chronicles chapter 5, verses 11 through 14 church. There's a difference. I think we've got to make up our, mo our mind this morning that we want more than Ezekiel 44. That is not what we want. We don't want to just put on a show. We want the power. We want God to show up and show off that we are hungry for a close encounter with Him. So for that to happen, we've got to move into 2 Chronicles chapter, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 5, 11 through 14, which says this. The priest then left the holy place. All the priests were there, that were there were consecrated, regardless of rank or assignment. And all the Levites who were musicians were there dressed in their worship robes. 
The choir and the orchestra assembled on the east side of the altar and were joined by 120 priests blowing trumpets. The choir and the trumpets made one voice of praise and thanks to God. Orchestra and choir in perfect harmony, singing and playing praise to God. Yes, God is good. His loyal love goes on forever. Then listen, then a billowing cloud filled the temple of God. The priests couldn't even carry out their duties because of the cloud, the glory of God that filled the temple of God. We have a choice to make this morning. I don't know about you, but I know this for me. I want that kind of church. I don't want to go to church anymore and just go through the motions and go through the programs and see see people get to use their gifts. I got news for you. We didn't plant this church to come and show off and show how smart we can be or how trendy we can be or how fashionable we can be. We didn't just have a bunch of people that had some talents that needed a stage. Nobody would give them a stage, so we planted church so they can get on stage. That's not what we did. We didn't even plant a church to come watch you do cartwheels and flips, although you can if you want to. That's not why we planted this church. We have planted this church for one reason and one reason only, and that is to have a close encounter with God. What kind of encounter, Steve? I want an encounter that will change everything. I want a close encounter with God. I want His presence to be so strong in this place that regardless of your rank or assignment, it doesn't matter if you're a janitor or the preacher, you still have the same glory when you walk in. It doesn't matter if you're sweeping up floors. It doesn't matter if we've assigned you to clean the bathrooms. The truth is, is that when you walk onto this campus, you feel and experience the power of God and you have a close encounter with Him so that not only when you're here, but when you're there, something's different. I want a world-shaking and close encounter. I, I want a marriage-restoring close encounter. I want an addiction-breaking close encounter. I want a teenage-rescuing close encounter. I want a, such a close encounter with God that people from all over will begin to hear what's going on in this place, and they will be so hungry, and they'll realize that they don't have this, that they will flood this place to find what we've got. That's the kind of close encounter we want. That's the close encounter that we're holding out for. That's why Passion Church is here. That's why we've established this place. We have a choice to make. I need you to make this choice with me. We've got to come to the conclusion. It can't just be me. I can't do this by myself. It can't just be the team that's helped us get all this, this together. Every person that comes, regardless of rank or assignment, will, has to come with one mindset, one attitude, that we are hungry for the close encounter of God's glory. We'll be satisfied with nothing less. doesn't matter how slick the presentation is, we're not satisfied. We need Him. That's our prayer. That's our cry. That's the challenge that I present to you this morning. Some of you have had encounters with God. I'm asking you to press beyond that to a close encounter. Let me just tell you right now, let me just make a declaration. If all we're going to do is have encounters when we walk in here and we don't press into close encounters, don't let this be the beginning service. Let this be the end service. Let's shut the thing down, take all the equipment back, go get me an application for Starbucks and I'll, Starbucks and I'll work down there rather than doing this because it's not worth it for just an encounter. You can get an encounter anywhere. We are pressing in for a close encounter. I want to challenge you this morning. How hungry are you? How desperate are you for a move of God in here? You say, well, Steve, I've had a move. I understand that. I'm talking about something you've never experienced before in your life. I'm talking deeper, more changing and transforming than you've ever experienced before. That's what I'm talking about. So here's my challenge. Here's my challenge. Will you settle for what you've always had? Will you settle for a taste every now and then? Will you just kind of wink at it and say, yeah, y'all got a cool, neat little church down there, but... 
I'm done. I'm not all about that. Or, can I challenge you this morning? Or, will you join us as we pursue Him? That's what we're going to do over the next months and years. Three things. We are going to encounter God. We're going to equip you to engage your culture. We are going to pursue Him. That's all this is about, is pursuing Him. Not going to pursue fame. Not going to pursue a name in the city. What we want to pursue is God, because if you lift Him up, He'll draw all men. He'll make room for your gifts. We are going to pursue Him. I am desperate for a close encounter with God. I've settled too long for an encounter. There's a huge difference. You know what time it is? It's time to get your hands up. That's how we're symbolizing this. God, we, we lay everything down and we get our hands up to you. And we say, God, if you don't fill this place with your glory, it's nothing more than a social club. God, if you don't show up and show off, it's nothing more than a waste of time, act of futility. But when you show up, things fall off, hear me, and they stay off. See, the truth is some of you got things in your life right now that, that have been haunting you for years, and the truth is is you need some help. And I'm going to tell you right now, an encounter won't get it done. But if you can get into His presence and press into a close encounter, let me tell you what happens. Things fall off. Prejudice falls off. Hate falls off. Addictions fall off. Lust falls off. Anger falls off. You know what? Good news? They stay off when you have a close encounter with Him. Every time. I can prove that time and time again. I won't take the time, but let me just mention this. When blind Bartimaeus was sitting on the side of the road and Jesus came by, he wouldn't settle for an encounter. Shh! Be quiet. This is not how we do church. We, we, we're quiet in our church. Mm, shh! He wouldn't settle. His name wasn't in the bulletin. He wasn't scheduled. But he was desperate. And when he pressed into a close encounter, Jesus responds and he changes his whole life. Let me tell you something. He was never the same. Jesus didn't walk away and blind Barnabas may as go sit back down and go back to being blind. Because when you have a close encounter with God, things fall off and they stay off. That's what time it is. I am challenging you this morning to join us in the pursuit of his presence. I don't know where you go to church, and, and your church may be great, and I am not knocking your church. That's fine. You just got to ask yourself a question this morning. Are you settling for an encounter, or are you wanting to go for a close encounter? If you don't go to church anywhere, let me just tell you this morning, we'd love to have you. But if you come into this church, you need to understand we're going to be about one thing, pursuing His presence, encountering Him. I want you to stand with me this morning. Our hearts cry for nine months has been this. God, we want more than more. Let me just tell you that Oklahoma City is full of incredible churches. Absolutely slam-packed full. Every corner. Every old department store that's empty is being filled with a cool church. Great churches. Doing great things for the kingdom. I am not knocking them. If we just wanted to go to a cool church, we could have gone. 
but our heart's cry has been this. God, we need more than more. There's a song that we were singing one Sunday morning in our church, great church, and, and they begin to sing. Julie was leading, and they sang uh, more. I ask for more, and that's what we're going to do right now. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me into my spirit and said, Steve, there's somebody has got to stand up and ask for more than more. If you ask for more from me, all you're doing is just barely tapping into the resources that I contain. I have exceedingly abundantly above, which means I have more than more. Somebody's got to be brave enough and bold enough to say, God, thank you for the more, but I'm desperate and I want more than more. We say, that's greedy. No, it's not. It's only greedy when you go to somebody and ask them for that and they don't have it. My son comes to me, Devin comes to me and says, God, Dad, I need, he doesn't ever call me God, but he says, Dad, I, I need... I need $20 and I got $30 in my pocket. That's not greedy. If he comes and asks, Dad, I need $3,000 and I got $3 in my pocket. Let me tell you, after everything I've bought him and everything I've done for him, that's greedy. And I'd have to tell him so. But when we come to God and say, God, I've got to have more than more, that is not greedy because we haven't even tapped his supply. I'm going to tell you something this morning. Hear the heart of this, this preacher right now. He's got more for you than you ever thought possible. He's got more in his bank account than you can imagine. I'm not even talking about money. He's got more in his storehouse than you could ever wish for, dream of, even imagine. He's just waiting on somebody to make a withdrawal. And I determined this morning that's going to be on us. That's going to be us. We're going to do that. We're die trying. We're going to do that. We want to sing this song. Will you join us and sing this song as a cry of desperation? In your own situation, in your own heart, in your own life, would you just begin to ask God for more? God, we need more.